So I want to continue this morning um, our series, Messiah on the Mount. Uh, we're looking at the Beatitudes, talking about kingdom character. Um, we're going to start with something slightly a wee bit different this morning. We're going to have a quiz. All right, now don't worry. I know from last week you're all useless at Bible knowledge. So it's not a Bible quiz, okay? This is called Guess the Animal, right? So just have a wee think about this. I'm going to read out some facts and I want you to think about the animal. All will become clear soon. This animal can run within hours after its birth and it can stand on its two legs, uh, two, uh, stand on its legs two hours after birth. Isn't that incredible? Two hours. They can sleep both lying down and standing up. Probably like some of you in here. They can't burp or vomit. They use their ears, eyes, and nostrils to express their mood. That's also like some of you. <laughs> I've seen a few flared nostrils uh, in here at times. They have a very sweet tooth. They can hear and they can smell better than humans. Their brain only weighs 600 grams. Will I make another joke? No. <laughs> their brain only weighs 600 grams, but their hearts can weigh a whopping five kilograms. So have a wee think about that. Does anyone know what animal I'm talking about? No. No. You've had enough chances. You'll ruin it anyway. Okay, we'll find out later. So this morning, as I've said, I want to continue our study in the Beatitudes from Jesus' most famous sermon, that is the Sermon on the Mount. Um, last week, we looked at his second proclamation and declaration, which was, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted, or God blesses those who mourn, they will be comforted. Does anyone remember the tagline from last week? Say it with me. They weep real tears, yet find great joy. I know it takes you a wee while to get warmed up. Say it with me again. They weep real tears, yet find great joy. Okay. Now, before we get into uh, the text in Matthew 5 this morning, I want us to go to Psalm 37 and just read a little bit of it together. As we know from our previous two studies, Jesus knew his Bible better than anyone, okay? And for many of the Beatitudes that we'll be reading, he always used a phrase or a sentence or words from the Old Testament as his foundation and inspiration, and the proclamation and declaration concerning the kingdom of God and kingdom character that we will read today finds its roots in the beautiful psalm that is Psalm 37, a psalm of David. Okay, so let's read some of it this morning. Um, I just looked up a few titles for Psalm 37. You know, different Bibles will have different titles for, for the Psalms. Uh, in my eSword online Bible, it had, He will not forsake his saints. Uh, in one of my own Bibles, it had the heritage of the righteous and the calamity of the wicked. And one, and one of my favorite commentators, David Guzik, had it as wisdom over worry. So that's Psalm 37. It's a well-known song that was written by King David, probably in his later years. And this psalm is known as a wisdom psalm, written not probably not written to God as such, but written to man, kind of in the same way that the Proverbs were written in that book of wisdom. And one of its main themes is this. So one of the main themes of Psalm 37, how do those who trust in God respond to evil and wickedness? Wickedness. How do the, why do the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer? We've all had questions like that before. So 
Psalm 37 tries to deal with that. Charles Spurgeon described Psalm 37 as the great riddle of the prosperity of the wicked and the affliction of the righteous. So as a starting point, let's read some verses together and we'll begin at verse one. A Psalm of David. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. We all know this. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Then moving on to verse five. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him, fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, forsake wrath, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. Verse 11, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. We're gonna to jump to verse 27. Depart from evil, do good, dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. And finally, to verse 39 and 40, which brings the psalm to a close. But the salvation of the righteousness, sorry, but the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. David begins this wonderful psalm of encouragement with the exhortation to do a few things. Don't fret because of evildoers. Don't get yourself all worked up. In fact, the Hebrew implies don't get yourself all hot and bothered because of what the evil are doing. Don't be envious of the wicked workers of iniquity. Why not? Because whatever prosperity they seem to have, it's temporary. It's temporary, it won't last forever. It has a time limit. It will eventually come to an end. David says, don't worry, don't fret. Instead, what are we to do? Trust in the Lord. Say it with me, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and continue to do good. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you what your heart desires and you will dwell in his good land and he will feed you by his faithfulness. Isn't that good news? He will feed you by his faithfulness. And then he says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust fully in him. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for the Lord. Don't be anxious about the wicked and the evil ones who are prospering. Don't become angry. Don't be given over to wrath. And definitely do not sin. Do not sin. The evildoers will be cut off, but those that wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. I love this version that says, the lowly will possess the land and will live in peace and prosperity. In verse 34, David encourages his readers again to wait on the Lord, keep his way, and he will ex exalt you to inherit the land. Then David brings this song of hope to your close. We read verses 39 and 40 by reminding the people of God that salvation is of the Lord and that he, the Lord alone, is their strength in times of trouble. And here is God's promise to them. 
He will help them. He will deliver him, them and he will save them. Why? Because they trust in him. Because they trust in the Lord. And you know, church, we too, we are to put our full confidence in and trust in the Lord fully and completely. He will help us. He will deliver us. And he will save us. Amen. I wonder if you noticed a theme running through the passages that I picked out from from Psalm 37 this morning. I hope you did. It is the theme of inheriting the land. Okay, you can see there it appears five times in Psalm 37, verse 9, 11, 22, 29, and 34. Here are three of the verses again from Psalm 37. The meek shall inherit the land and will delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. And verse 34, wait on the Lord, keep his way. He shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. You know, it's verse 11 that is the key verse for us this morning as we continue our journey through the be attitudes. Remember I talked about them being be attitudes. They're attitudes that we are to be. And these are the be attitudes, the proclamations, the declarations regarding kingdom character and kingdom conduct. This is the verse that Jesus quotes directly from in Matthew 5, 5, which is our main point of focus for this morning. So let's go to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read from verse 1, just as a little bit of context, and we'll read through what we've already uh, went journeyed through in our study. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, when he sat down, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And here is our text for this morning. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Here again, as with all the other proclamations that we've read and we're going to read, it's another great paradox. Okay, we sing the paradox of last week. Happy mourners. Who's ever heard of a happy mourner? No one. But we learned last week that those who mourn for their sin are, are called blessed by God. They're the most fortunate and they are happy. We started uh, probably last year with the poor in spirit being called blessed. The happy and fortunate poor. Then those that mourn are also called blessed. The joyful and the envious mourners. And now we hear Jesus tell us that those who are meek are also called blessed. Church, the truth is that none of these things are considered blessings in the world, in our society, in our culture. But Jesus tells us that in the kingdom of God, things are very, very different. You see, kingdom character, kingdom conduct holds to a very different standard than the world. Kingdom character is formed around very, very different values than those of the culture around us. You see, church, the kingdom, it goes against much of what we know and see in our day-to-day lives. And as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we are to live out this kingdom character. We are to live out this kingdom conduct as we serve and as we submit to our king. And you know what? I, I know sometimes it makes no sense and it goes against everything that we know as humans and everything that we do. I know that these traits, these, these characteristics do not come naturally to us. Well, I know that they do not come naturally to me. 
I really have to work on these things and rely on God to help me. And we all need, we all need God's help in forming this kingdom character in each and every one of us. So church, the question is, what is Jesus saying here? What is he talking about? What is he getting at exactly when he says, blessed are the meek? Well, it's my ambition to try and answer that for you this morning. In Psalm 37, which we read a little moment ago, the Hebrew word that is translated as meek in the King James Bible finds its root and origin in a Hebrew word that means this, to be depressed. Now, I'm not, not, I'm not talking about the, the mental health depression. I'm talking about something that is depressed, pushed in, squashed together, okay? Figuratively, it is to be depressed. In mind, it is to be gentle. Or in your circumstances, it is to be needy, especially saintly. Okay, other words that could be used are humble, lowly, meek, or poor. And the Hebrew word, I think it's on, 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 has all of these meanings wrapped up in it. Okay, you will find all of these things contained in this one Hebrew word. And don't forget, this is the passage that Jesus is quoting and using as his foundation on this day as he proclaims the be attitudes to his people. And then when we turn to look at the Greek of the New Testament, we find his words carrying very much the same meaning, okay? This is the word praus. Say praus. Praus. You're all Greek scholars now. Praus, okay, it means mild, humble, and meek. It's a mildness of disposition and a gentleness of spirit, okay? These are the ones who will inherit the land. They will inherit the earth. And this is why God calls them blessed. Now, what does it mean to be meek? Here's what we've got to, here's what we've got to find out. What does it actually mean to be meek? You know, one of the big problems that we have as we try to answer this question is that our modern, put up your hand if you ever use the word meek. Anyone ever use it? Gail, tell lies. No, it's not a word you hear now, sure it's not. It's not a word I've really ever used. Well, the problem is that our modern understanding of what it is to be meek is so far removed from what it meant in both the ancient Near East, Old Testament times, and also in the Second Temple period in which Jesus is speaking, okay? Our modern Western culture, most people associate meekness with what? Weakness. Okay, they associate it with weakness. To be meek in our culture is to be passive, it's to be unassuming, it's to be timid, it's to be soft, it's to be yielding, and it is to be weak. But you know what, church? That is not a biblical definition of weakness. That's a modern Western definition of meekness. In the Bible and on the lips of Jesus, meekness is not weakness. Say it with me. Meekness is not weakness. Let me ask you another question. Would you say that Jesus was weak? Answer me. Would you say that Jesus was weak? No. There's no way we could say that. But the Bible does, does describe him as meek. Am I right? Okay. So they can't be the same. In fact, in the ancient Near East and the Greco-Roman world, there was a high value and premium placed upon the virtue of meekness. Uh, something not in my notes here, but there's, there's even kings in the Old Testament who referred to themselves as mighty and meek, okay? If you were weak, you wouldn't describe yourself. If it, if it meant the same, you wouldn't do that, sure you wouldn't. Mighty and meek. 
So meekness, I believe, it's a lost art in our Western and modern world. And it's something that, especially as believers, as citizens of the kingdom, we need to get back in our lives. We need meekness. God puts a very high value on the kingdom characteristic of meekness. If you don't believe me, well, you're gonna read it in the Bible and then you believe me. The apostle Peter, writing to wives and husbands in his epistle says this, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. The ornament of a meek and quiet spirit Church, isn't that just delightful? That little phrase there. This is what God wants his people to have. He wants all of his citizens, all his followers, all of his disciples to show this kingdom character in their lives. And look at that final phrase. In the sight of God, it has a great price. You see, God places a high value and a great price on the characteristic of meekness. You know, another issue that we come across when trying to understand biblical meekness is that many of our modern Bible versions, many of which I, you know I use at times, do not use the word meek, but instead they put something else in. They, they use a modern synonym uh, for our modern understanding of the word meek. They might use gentle, they might use mild, they might use humble or lowly. But the problem is that none of those words fully encapsulate the biblical understanding of meekness. Does meekness include being gentle? Yes, it can. Does it include being mild or lowly? It sure does. Does meekness need to be lived out in humility? Yes, always. But meekness is much more than all of these, but it does include all of these traits. Look, let me try as best as I can with my limited brain power and my limited language to tell you what meekness is all about. Let me say it again. Meekness is not weakness. In fact, Meekness is a strength. It's a strength. It is strength under control. Say it with me. Strength under control, okay? It is a power. It's a might. It's strength that is brought under control. Now, do you remember our little quiz earlier? Have you all been thinking about it? Have you all been not listening to me and looking on Google what this animal is? I bet you thought I'd forgotten about it. Does anyone have any idea what the animal is? Well, got giraffe. Giraffe's a good answer, but no. Let me tell you, it's a horse. Oh, who got it right? Me, Jane, oh, Aaron, probably on your phone. <laughs> Great Pete, horse. We know all these things about a horse. That's brilliant, it's random. Something they'll never need to know ever again. What's it got to do with meekness? Well, you know what? It has everything to do with meekness, and I'll tell you why. Imagine this powerful and mighty stallion in your mind, okay? Like these two on the screen. It's a wild horse. It's untamed. It's running free. Now picture the horse as it's taken by its owner. It's tamed and it's broken. The horse still has all of its power and might, but now it becomes usable and it is useful to the one who has broken it. Do you understand what I'm saying? This horse is tamed. It can now be used for many, many things. It's no longer wild, but it is still a powerful and mighty beast. 
You know, this is the picture that the, the Greco-Romans had in their minds when the word prows was used, this Greek word that we learned earlier. It's the perfect picture of strength under control. That's exactly what a bridled horse is, strength under control. The horse isn't weak, it's strong. It's as strong as it ever was. Now it is simply under control. And that is what meekness is. It is a quiet strength. It is strength under control. This horse is now submissive. It is now surrendered and it has been subjected to its master. Do you see what I'm getting at this morning? Do you, church? The horse is now useful to its master. It's not running all over the place. It's not running wild. It's not pushing its way through. It's not seeking its own agenda. It's not doing whatever it wants. It is in the full service of its master, submissive and surrendered. Church, this is meekness. To be meek in the kingdom of God requires submission to the master and it requires complete surrender to the master. Meekness for us is being under God's control. To be meek is to place yourself under God's authority and under his control and be, and be a useful servant. To be obedient and not to run wild, not to do whatever you want to do, not to follow your own passions, not to knock everyone out of the way just to do what you want to do, even though you could, okay? Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is simply strength under control. And we all need to have this characteristic of meekness in our lives as citizens of the kingdom. Meekness is essentially, this is really good, I didn't write this, an attitude or quality of heart where a person is willing to accept and submit without resistance to the will and desire of someone else. And in our case, as citizens of the kingdom, that someone is Jesus Christ. That someone is the Lord. Meekness is also the means, listen to this, <laughs> this, this, this really hit me, because this sounds like me. Meekness is also the means by which God trains the sinful soul by taming the temper, mm -hmm, subduing the assertive self, calming the passions, managing the impulses of the heart and bringing order out of the chaos of our souls. Bet you all thought about me when I talked about taming the temper, right? These are all a laugh. Meekness is to be mild of temper. It's to be not easily provoked or irritated and given to forbearance under injury. To display biblical meekness is to be willing to submit, to be humble and gentle in spirit, to rely fully on God and be dependent on him to provide you with strength. You know, meekness is a patient and a contented spirit. Meekness is putting up with a little honor here on earth below. Meekness is bearing injury and hurt without resentment. Meekness is the ability not to take offense. Meekness is the patient endurance of those offenses. Meekness is mercy and self-restraint. Meekness is a state of not being easily provoked. Meekness is being content to wait for the good things from the Lord. It is to be gentle, it is to be considerate, it is to be humble, and it is to be courteous. You know, meekness, it's not cowardice, it's not a lack of conviction, it's not niceness, 
It is a virtue that involves courage, it involves strength, and it involves godly conviction. Meekness is not asserting our own agenda over someone else's. You see, a truly meek person is someone who will not envy and will not retaliate. They will instead exercise patience in the face of adversity. They will have joy, they will have happiness under the direst and worst of circumstances because they will trust God no matter what happens. That is what it is to be meek. Here's what they're not. Meek people are not egotistical. Meek people are not pompous. I love that word, pompous. They're not haughty and they're not aggressive. But neither are they a doormat, okay? To be walked all over as if they are some sort of weak-willed, spineless, cowardly creature. Church, understand this. The world and our very own human natures want, to, want us to be all of these things. We, in our nature, we like to be assertive. We like to seek our own agenda. We like to take charge. We like to be proud, self-sufficient, self-reliant, and totally independent. Well, I know I do. But you know what? Biblical meekness is the very antithesis of all of these things. To be meek is the complete opposite of all of these things. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is the truest humility. It is strength under control. Say it with me. Strength under control. It's to have a true view of oneself, expressing itself in an attitude and conduct with respect to God and others. That's so important. Meekness works in our relationship to God and it works in our relationship with others. A meek person who is someone who is amazed that God and man can think of them as they do and treat them as they do. And this makes the person humble, gentle, sensitive and patient in all their dealings with God and others. Church, I would really love some meekness in my life. I could do with, anyone else could do with more meekness. Put up your hands now. <laughs> I could really do with more in my life. And here's the truth. To be all of these things and to de develop all of these characteristics, we need self-control. We need self-control. In fact, what we really need is God control, Holy Spirit control. And you know, in the kingdom of God, we can see this characteristic of meekness work itself out in so many ways, but primarily it affects the two most important relationships that we have as citizens in the kingdom of God, our relationship with our king and our relationships with our fellow citizens, with our brothers and sisters. You see, to be meek in the kingdom of God is to subject yourself to the king and submit to the king. The problem is, as I've said, that everything inside of us, as frail and fickle human beings, we want to fight against this. We don't like submission. We don't like surrender. We don't like to talk about subjection. But this is where meekness plays itself most out in the relationship with our king. Church, I need to ask you this morning, are you submissive to the Lord? Are you have you subject yourself to the Lord? Are you submissive to God's word, what it says, and are you subject to his ways? Are we all subjecting ourselves to God's will for our lives? 
Are we content with where God has us today? Are we content today with what God has given us? Or do we get angry? Do we throw the, throw the toys out of the pram with God and rebel against him when things just don't go our way? How do we respond when life does not go as planned? What is our response? Do we practice meekness in submission and subjection? Or do we become self-reliant? Do we become aggressive? Do we become assertive? And do we become rebellious? You know, many commentators consider Psalm 37 an exposition or a detailed explanation of the beatitude that we've been looking at today. And they're right on it. Do you remember the exhortations that David gave in Psalm 37? They all line up perfectly with what it is to be meek in relationship with the king. What was the promise given to those who would wait on the Lord, who would delight themselves in the Lord, who would trust in the Lord and commit their ways to the Lord? They would inherit the earth and they would find themselves surrounded by an abundance of peace. The meek would inherit the earth. They would inherit the land. You know, the people of God were in captivity in Babylon. We talked about this last week. But God was promising that one day soon they would inherit what was already promised to them through Abraham. And God kept his promise, church. And for us as kingdom citizens, I believe that God's promise extends to us too. You see, when we display meekness in our lives, as kingdom citizens, when we have submitted control, when we have become subjected to God, when we are surrendered fully to him and we carry with us the desire to obey him in everything, then we are on our way to forming kingdom character. And Jesus tells his disciples that day on the mountainside that if they can get a handle on their own passions and desires and can bring themselves into subjection under God to his will and his ways with humility, with lowliness, with that gentleness of spirit, they will inherit the earth. They will inherit the earth. Imagine being there on that day. You've got Judeans, you've got Galileans, you've got those from the surrounding villages. Then you also have the Romans. You know what? The Romans would have laughed when they heard Jesus said this. They would have mocked Jesus. Why? Because they would have said, that, Jesus, that can't be right. The meek don't inherit anything. They don't inherit anything. We took this land by force and violence. That's how land is seized. The meek are weak. And we have no time for that. The earth is taken by the aggressive and the forceful and the violent that have no thought for anyone else. But church, that's not how the kingdom of God works. It's not built on worldly values and principles. It's built on the foundation of, firstly, that spiritual poverty that we talked about. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Then, then, the, then, kingdom, then the kingdom is built on mourning, Blessed are those who mourn their sin. And now we find another foundation is meekness. And the kingdom grows and flourishes when its, when its citizens do what goes against their very nature, to humble themselves. What about this one? To prefer others above themselves. That's the kingdom of God. To put the needs of others before their own and have kingdom love, kingdom compassion for those that God has set in the kingdom alongside them. Church, we need to put our own needs, our own opinions, our own desires and wants on hold so that we can serve other people. That's the kingdom. That's true meekness. That's true humility. 
And this is the kingdom character that God desires for each and every one of us here this morning. You wanna know what true meekness in the kingdom is? Listen to this. It's having the power and strength to do something or say something to someone who has offended or hurt you and not doing it. That's meekness. It's having a bit of self-control or even better, having God control. Being able to know when to shut your mouth. Amen? Having the power to have your revenge, having the power to, to take vengeance on that person, having the power to get back at that person, but not doing it. That is meekness. We all need that God control, that Holy Spirit control, that strength under control. Let me try and, and close things up this morning by talking a little bit about inheriting the earth. For those on that day and for us here today, I believe that when Jesus speaks of the meek inheriting the earth, he is speaking of God's provision here and now. Yes, there's a day coming when Jesus will return and all those who are citizens of the kingdom will inherit the new heavens and the new earth. But I believe, church, that all of the blessings in the Beatitudes have just like the kingdom a now but not yet promise. Psalm 37 speaks of the meek inheriting the earth and delighting themselves in the abundance of peace. The lowly will possess the land and live in peace and prosperity. Church, I believe that God is faithful and that he gives us everything that we need. Amen. Who has seen God's provision in their lives? Most of us, all of us here this morning. God gives us both peace and prosperity in our lives. He gives us what we need, when we need it, and where we need it. You know, it's not our job to worry about what God is doing. It's our job to simply trust him. What did Jesus say? Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. And, and, and the Lord is calling all of us to live with true meekness in our lives as we serve him. And true biblical meekness is strength that is completely and fully surrendered to God's control. I mean this in the nicest possible way. We're all horses. <laughs> Church, we can all be wild. We can all run wild. But what God wants is for each of us to be a horse in his hands with him holding the bridle. We must submit, we must surrender and be subject to his control. As I've said many, many times, meekness is strength with control, God's control. And when we are like a horse in his hands, he can use us for service. Isn't that right? He can use us to do his will and his purposes on this earth. Church, I wanna leave you this morning with the greatest example of meekness and true humble service that we could ever find. If you want a perfect picture of strength under control, you don't need to look at a horse that's been tamed. We need to look at Jesus. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am, what? Meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. There's our perfect example. But what does the Lord have to say to each of us from his word this morning? Galatians 5, 22, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Say the next one. Meekness, temperance, against there is such Against such there is no law. Paul writing to the Ephesians, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. First Timothy. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, set, meekness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And James 1, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word. God wants you to receive the word this morning with meekness which is able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And finally, as the worship team come, and finally, church, let's read this together one more time. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And here's our tagline. Maybe you were thinking, is there one this morning? There is. Say it with me. They are the meek, not weak, and they are abundantly blessed. Okay, we're gonna stand there, we're gonna say it. We're actually gonna open our mouths this time. Let's stand. Okay, let's try it again. They are the meek, not weak, and they are abundantly blessed. Church, become a humble horse in the hands of your king and continue to live out that kingdom character. Submit to him, surrender to him, become, become one of his most loyal subjects and continue to serve him. Can I try and put into one sentence everything that I've believed the Lord wanted me to share this morning? I'm gonna do my best. Blessed are the quiet and content, the humble and unassuming, the gentle and trusting who are not grasping and clutching, for God will personally guarantee their prosperity and peace here on earth and their share when Jesus returns and heaven and earth become one. Amen. Say it with me. They are the weak. <laughs> they are the weak. <laughs> Too many eeks. They are, they are the meek, not weak, and they are abundantly blessed. Church, you're abundantly blessed this morning. Let's worship him together.